Welcome to the Human Performance Podcast. Here we talk about everything to do with human performance and how leaders and organizations can get the best out of themselves and their people. I'm your host, Alex Young. My guest on the podcast this week is Jeffrey Shaw. Jeffrey's a speaker and small business consultant who helps self-employed and small business owners gain control of their business in what seems like otherwise uncontrollable circumstances. Drawing on his experience as a renowned portrait photographer, Jeffrey shows business owners how to see business through a different lens. His TEDx Lincoln Square talk is featured on TED.com, and he's the host of the top-rated podcast, The Self-Employed Life, and author of The Self-Employed Life, Business and Personal Development Strategies. On the podcast today, we discuss the great resignation, personal development, and overcoming limiting beliefs. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Well, amazing. Well, it's going to be a really, really fun and interesting conversation today because it's something that's very close to my heart, which is all around um, being a self-employed business owner and starting companies and and everything to do with that. Very, very sort of exciting topic. Um, before we sort of dive into things, and I've got a million questions I want to touch on, um, it'd be great for you just to uh, update the listeners on sort of how you fell into the, the role where you are at the moment uh, and your background. Yeah. So yeah, it's almost, you almost had to reverse engineer this. So what I do today is I am primarily a, a coach for self-employed business owners, uh, a speaker and the founder of the Self-Employed Business Institute, which is an educational program for self-employed. How I got here. So I have spent most of my adult life um, as a portrait photographer for affluent families. So that was my, that's what I set out to do at 20 years old. And as is the case uh, for many entrepreneurs, that was the evolution of a hobby. It was something I enjoyed as a teenager. Next thing I know, by the age of 20, I was doing this. I went off to photography school, returned to become a professional portrait photographer. Three years in, uh, made a pretty significant shift on who I was meant to serve and found my way to really realizing that I was meant to serve a very affluent clientele and not because of their affluence, because honestly, for where the world I came from, I didn't even know what affluence meant, um, but realized the aligning of values and that this is these are the people I was meant to serve because they when you have when you're affluent and you have discretionary income, it enables you to plan for the future and buying photography, buying portraits of your family is very much a mindset of the future. So um, that set me on a course of having a very, very successful portrait photography business, traveling the world, photographing my clients at their multiple homes. Um, and, you know, people always ask, well, then how did you end up where you are today? Which is why I started there. It's like, well, you know, 25 years into being a portrait photographer, I felt that I had accomplished far more than I could have imagined. And I wanted to give back. And I realized I loved business. I love other people's businesses, perhaps even more than my own, because I like the I like I like seeing what other people can't see. It's that's the root of being a photographer. So I liked looking at other people's businesses and helping them see what they can't they couldn't see themselves and fixing it and building the business. And uh, so that led me into coaching, which, of course, then led me into speaking by invitation. People were asking me to speak. Um, and then a year or so ago, after my most recent book uh, came out in May of 2021 called The Self-Employed Life, after the book was out, I realized a huge gaping hole 
in, in the world. And that is around the education for self-employed business owners, uh, which is why I founded the Business Institute, because everybody I had coached for 15 years is really good at what they do. And they're almost always in an industry that doesn't have any education on how to make money at what they do. <laughs> and I'm like, why? So everybody's out there trying to figure it out. And there are commonalities and there are differences. But I felt that there were enough commonalities that I could teach those commonalities and I could show up. I could be the coach that they need to help them with their individual needs. So that's the evolution of how one goes from being a portrait photographer to um, to to a coach. Absolutely amazing. Well, you know, we were just talking before we started recording that, um, you know, my original company, which I was started when I was a medical student, uh, came out because I was really interested in business and I wanted to live off of value. Uh, for me, it was actually um, training uh, healthcare professionals around how to pass their exams, which, which I'd always been quite good at. Uh, and people kind of came to me and I, I then decided to kind of monetize that as it was taking up, uh, you know, a bunch of my time sort of helping helping people out. Um, but my kind of journey there was was crazy. Like I, I literally was spending all of my time outside of my day job, uh, you know, practicing, uh, you know, how to do certain things, testing myself, uh, a lot of learning on the job, reading books. But as you say, there wasn't really any kind of like ecosystem or structure for people who were, you know, self-employed, even for me as like a bit of a side hustle. Why do you think that is? And, and you know, what's the, the kind of like more... Um, I guess, like helpful approach for people who are looking to start businesses? Yeah. You know, I think for one, it's not by mistake that self-employment begins with the word self. And I think probably the biggest surprise for people is how your call to the mat for your own personal development and human performance when you become self-employed. Like it is a breeding ground for human performance, right? Or as I say, it's personal development on steroids when you're self-employed. Um, every button is going to get pushed in ways that you didn't imagine because you're doing something from a place of purpose or passion or there's something that's deeply driving people to make major changes in their lives, as we're seeing now with the great resignation and the volume of people that are leaving steady paychecks for what? I mean, you have to, one has to figure out what that's for. What drives a lot of people to make such a big, bold move in their lives is the desire to have a better life, a life that's more aligned with their values and how they want to live. And that's certainly what's driving a lot of people to quit their jobs. Um, but it also, you know, like it sounds like you were, like you were driven to to serve. And, and you saw that there was uh, a need and for which you had a solution. So your passion was to drive. So I think, you know, it's the fact that it's so when you become self-employed, it's the fact it's so intertwined with what's going on in your own inner world, your mindset, your attitude, your perspective. Um, one of the, I'd say one of the challenges I think people face very significantly is I call it the deserving ceiling. There's a way in which, I mean, you can't, as I say over and over again in all my work is that the reason I put a lot of emphasis on personal development along with the business strategies is that when you're self-employed, your level of success is relative to your degree of your degree of personal development. You can't really expect to surpass what you have mentally prepared yourself for. And that often comes down to this deserving ceiling. People have a pre-established mindset as to what they think they deserve. So they're working really, really hard to achieve more, but they haven't done the work to actually step into believing they deserve more. 
So it's kind of like trying to overstuff a sack, right? They're working much harder than they need to, putting in a lot of effort, and they're just like overstuffing the sack and not getting the results they want. But the work they haven't done is to actually get in touch with, well, I deserve more. There's a lot of survivor guilt in entrepreneurship because a lot of times there's opportunity to surpass your parents, surpass your siblings, surpass the environment in which you came from. And there's a certain amount of survival guilt in that. And so then people end up holding themselves back uh, and, and not fully stepping into. So for me, we're always going to work hard. We can always gain new strategies. So the missing gap for many, many people is they're not doing the personal development work to unblock what's in their way, to set clear intentions for what they want, and to step into their fullness so that when you apply the hard work, it has some place to go. It works. The effort you're putting in works. I think this is why fundamentally, if you feel like you're running, if you're a hamster running on a wheel, or you feel like you just keep running up, hitting up against a wall, that's why. It's because you haven't done the personal development work to be bigger, to perform at a higher level, so that the effort you put in pays off. It's a fantastic point. And just while you were speaking, I mean, I was just sort of reflecting back on, on you know, some of the hurdles that I had to sort of overcome from a kind of personal development point of view, like when I, you know, way back when I started my first business. And, and some of them were literally as simple as, you know, I felt like a little bit guilty about charging people, you know, for, for some of the stuff that I was doing. Right. And, yeah. and I was coming from a background in healthcare where it's all about, you know, helping people and, and, and so forth. And I really had to kind of overcome that. Um, and, and it was all around, you know, looking through some self-help books, getting coaching around, uh, you know, actually your, your, your time is, is so precious and, and, you know, you need to be respecting that. Otherwise nobody else will. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of those kind of like personal development points for people who are self-employed and entrepreneurs, and, and you mentioned, you know, the great resignation where, you know, now I, I would argue there's never been a better time to, to be kind of self-employed because of the amount of opportunities out there for folks yeah. to, uh, to really carve a niche and carve a living for themselves. What, what, what are some of like the fundamentals, do you think, in terms of personal development um, where, you know, perhaps someone who's in employment at the moment who's looking to start a job or some of the real key things that you coach people on in terms of how they should focus around their personal development. Yeah. And I work with, I mean, the fact that I've never, I've never held a traditional job. I've never received a paycheck. I've been self-employed my entire life. I've never received a paycheck from anyone other than myself. So while that's been my experience, I actually, the majority of people I coach and work with, uh, have worked corporate employed and became self-employed. So I actually, you know, I, that's what I work with every day. I know that journey really well. And, um, one of the biggest hurdles is denial. Uh, and I get it. I get I can imagine the fear that's involved in leaving the predictability of a steady paycheck. But here's what shocks me as an outsider to the corporate world. I would much rather live my life in a way that the rug is not going to, be going to be pulled out from underneath me. Like, it's interesting to me that so people have such a fear of leaving the steady paycheck and believing there's security to that. I, from the outside, I look, I said, I, that would scare the living daylights out of me to actually have a traditional job that could change overnight because somebody made a decision that it should. I don't know how you have any control of your life like that. I always say, at least when you're self-employed, it's going to be a slow, painful death. Right. But you're going to see it coming. You know, I don't think I would have the guts, the, the, the fortitude 
to live in a way that somebody else can pull the rug out from underneath me immediately. So the whole idea of security in the corporate position is just it's a myth. It's false. So I'm intrigued by and yet the biggest obstacle for people is is to let that go. And that's why I said denial, because and I say denial because almost everyone I've ever worked with who's left a corporate job to become self-employed probably did so three years later than they should have. They denied it for three. They, what they denied is what I call the inkling. Like, I, I, you know, when people come to me and say, yeah, I'm thinking about it someday. I'm like, you know what? I got news for you. Now that you've had the inkling, it's like being in a bad relationship. You're not going to be able to unsee what drives you crazy now. Right. So either you foster this along at a quick pace or you quite possibly live with regret or third option, which is what happens a lot, is you deny it for some period of time until you can't deny it anymore. And at that point, you're two to three weeks, two to three years behind where maybe when you should have left. And now it's more challenging. Now you're more frustrated. Now you're more burnt out. You might even be in lesser of a financial position than you thought you'd be. Or as one guy recently, uh, absolutely positive, he was going to hire me as a coach, move forward. He kept delaying, delaying, hiring the coach, and then he lost his job. So what happened? He wound up having to get another nine to five job to buy himself the security. So he delayed self-employment for now, who knows how many years, because there was no plan in motion because he didn't hire a coach. So I think denial is the biggest obstacle, denying the the inkling, denying this nagging feeling that you want more to your life, denying um, that you want to be of service in a bigger way. Denying that and, and under the belief that you have a more secure position in your job is, I think, what holds a lot of people back. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great point. And I think, you know, I've, I've touched on this um, in some of the, you know, the talks that I've given in the past. But, you know, for, for me personally, I, I, you know, I love my my kind of like, I say nine to five. I was working as a surgeon, so it's kind of like night shifts and, <laughs> and weird start times, right? But effectively like a nine to five job, you know, you're getting a steady paycheck, as you mentioned. But, but actually the thing inside me that, made me kind of give that up even though i absolutely loved it and it was a you know an absolute pleasure and a privilege to kind of operate on um on, on patients and, and help them w was that sort of it was that bigger mission and it was that opportunity and it was almost you know if i don't leave i'm gonna be you know there's something gonna be in the back of my mind saying you know what could have been and and that kind of tension between missing out on something um as well as uh, you know i guess you know that that challenge and, you know, the learning that you get from being an entrepreneur or being self-employed, where, as you say, it's like it's on steroids because you're having to learn so quickly on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's the bit that kind of really, really excited yeah. me. You know, for, for, for you, is, is that kind of like a similar sentiment or, or was there, you know, any other things that, that you absolutely love about being self-employed? Yeah, uh, you know, so it's, it's the only world I know. Um and yeah, it's still the, the roller coaster ride, emotional roller coaster ride that we all experience. Um, what I love the most about it is the the autonomy. You know, I've I've always been able to live, and I think this is what people are looking for. Uh, I actually just recently wrote uh, an op-ed about the Great Resignation because I feel, and I, I want to do more work around this because I feel like the media is really focusing on the Great Resignation, talking about it as as far as what people are running away from, what they're quitting. You know, the big quit. And I'm like, I don't think that's what's going on. The conversation should be, what are people running towards? 
right? What they're running towards is the life that they want to live. So for me, you know, having always been self-employed, I've had the benefit of leading by lifestyle. And every, I would say every business decision I ever made was first a decision on how I wanted to live. That's you and I were chatting before we, we started this conversation that I live in Miami now. I was, you know, living in Manhattan. I came down here for three months, uh, a little more than six years ago. Actually, I guess we're going on seven years now. I came down for three months and never left. Why? Because I can. I got down here. I didn't know much about Miami. I just was doing the snowbird thing over the winter and came down for three months and said, this is a damn good lifestyle. Like people down here know how to live. They stop working at three o'clock on a Friday. And, you know, it just there is sunshine and there's benefits to the sunshine. You wake up, it's sunny, you feel good. Um, so I decided to stay because I could. You know, so to me, and ultimately, if you get under, what are people really looking for in their lives? And if if we haven't learned as cliche as it is that life is short after a two year pandemic, like what the hell is it going to take if we haven't learned it now? And I, so I think there's a real embracing going on of people wanting to create the life that they want, the life of their dreams that is driving self-employment. Uh, just some quick data. I, uh, I think in 2020, I think there were some 450 uh, self-employed businesses went out of business. But in 2021, 700,000 were created. Now, I was reading an article recently about these facts and what they were focused on was the $250,000 gain, oh, excuse me, the 250,000 business gain. But that to me isn't the bigger deal. I'm like, wait a minute, the 450,000 businesses went away. So in one given year, 700,000 new businesses were formed. Like, let's forget about the 250,000 gain. Let's just look at the mere fact that 700,000 people decided to go into business for themselves in the US <laughs> in one year. I mean, that says a lot. That to me is like lifestyle is leading. And I think that's what's really driving uh, a huge number of the decisions today. It's also why the majority of the clients that I that I work with one to one and that join the Self-Employed Business Institute, they are typically what I refer to as of a certain age, somewhere between 35 and 65. It's a broad gap, but they're not 20 year olds, right? They're people even up to 65 or older that this is like the next stage of their life is to leave this corporate job and do something else. They're not looking at retiring. They're looking at what can I contribute to the world in the next 20 years? So it's interesting how the even the age demographic has shifted uh, because people are not afraid to live the life that they want at any stage in life, we, even with the with the added responsibilities of mortgage and children and, and family and, and expenses. They're so driven by doing what they want to do. And, you know, you mentioned something earlier I just wanted to touch on, too, that. I actually learned this from someone with an uh, addiction issue, but it's profound when it comes to human performance and, and the decisions we make is that um, this person with a pretty significant, having you know, recovered from a significant addiction issue, he'd said to me one day about human behavior. He'd said, you know, people don't give something up until what they're going towards is greater than what they're losing. Right. So think about this from a substance abuse perspective, like no one's going to stop using a substance until the benefits of what's ahead of them is greater than the thrill of what they're gaining from the substance. And that says so. And I see the same thing in coaching, whatever it is that 
one quote unquote is addicted to, whether it's the security of a job or, or comfort. Um, it's not until people see that the benefits of what could be in front of them is greater than what they could be giving up that we stop staying stuck. And that's a big part of my coaching work is to help people uh, get clear on what the benefits of what's ahead of them is how in what way is that greater than their current state added with i also help my clients get very clear on what they want to get away from i think that's the beginning of motivation which is rarely talked about i the comparison i like to make is a, a competitive diver right the first thing a competitive it's not even a diver but a swimmer a comp- first thing a michael phelps has to do is propel off of the pool deck right it's the initial push for your peak performance is to get clear on what you're pushing away from what what you what you want to be financially broke again you never want to feel controlled by a company you never want to feel stifled by structure whatever it is that you want to get away from it's getting really clear on that that's actually what that's the beginning of propelling change it's not just motivation and dangling carrots it's getting really clear on what you want to get away from first that's something i focus a lot on in my work Really interesting. And I, I guess, you know, the, the counterpoint to that, um, and, and it, uh, this is something that always fascinates me whenever I speak to, uh, to people. And, and I guess, you know, for me be, being a little bit of a, like an outlier of someone who's kind of left, uh, you know, a, a, a job like as a surgeon and, and, and started a, a number of businesses. Um, I often get people who, you know, either looking to leave careers or, uh, you know, probably very similar to the people that you coach, uh, you know, asking me about my opinion on things. And, one of the first things I always ask people is, you know, what do you want? Like, what, what's, what's, what's the end goal here? Like, what, um, if you were to change everything, uh, what do you want in terms of like your perfect day or your lifestyle or what's that look, what does that look like? And, and often like people don't really have a, you know, a clear and coherent answer to that. And they haven't yeah. really spent the time thinking that through. Is, is that, you know, does that resonate sort of with, with you when you're speaking to people yeah. as well? It does. But I said what they actually what's easier for people to get in touch with is what they don't want anymore. That's why I start there. Like, what is it that you're really clear? Like, you're, you know, I even get I get kind of harsh and say, you know, what is it that you've grown to hate that you don't want anymore? You know, um, it could be, you know, financial. I, I'm tired of not having enough. I'm tired of just having enough. Like I'm so it's like it, it, it's really hard for people to imagine what could be especially if they're in a bit of a stuck state, you know, if they're if they're really feeling like I I really do want to leave this job, I really do want to do my own thing. But they're just like sitting on the precipice of it. Often what's easier for them to identify is what they want to get away from, like what they're what they're what they're done dealing with. Um, It's easier to start with that. And I actually think, as I said, that has a bigger. uh, It has a bigger push initially. Then, you know, I'll give you an, an interesting comparison. When I was writing my book, it, was, uh, it started in 2019, but a lot of the writing was during 2020 when we were on lockdown. And, and my partner and I took to sea kayaking as a way of getting outdoors and being socially distant because in the middle of the ocean, you're pretty socially distant. And mind you, it's an inflatable kayak because if we live in an apartment, you can't there's no place to store a hard uh, <laughs> kayak. So it's an inflatable kayak, nonetheless. But they're, they're quite popular and very durable. So we took to kayaking and and while I'm writing the book and thinking about the real roots of, of performance and motivation, I made this observation in the kayak in that, first of all, the ocean is full of business lessons. 
Like you want to you want to study current and flow and what it means to like one other observation. I said, you know, the fact of the matter is in life and in a kayak, you're either with the flow or you hit it straight on. Like there's plenty of times the sea is rough, but the worst position to be at in life and in business is slightly off to the side. because You're just going to get beat to hell from the side. You either have to be in flow. And if you're not, just hit it straight on, you know, um, but one of these lessons about motivation, I, I was the front guy. I'm always the front guy in the kayak. And he's he's in the back. And I realized that I could stop paddling and we kept going. We kept our momentum, almost full momentum. But if he stopped paddling, we came almost to a screeching halt. And I realized that's the difference between pushing and pulling. A lot of times we try to get the best out of people by dangling carrots and motivation, which is trying to pull people towards what they want. What I've discovered, what I think the initial momentum is created by the push. That's why you have to get clear on what do you want to get away from? What do you want to push off from? Just like in a kayak, it's the fact that he was continuing to push the kayak forward allowed us to keep our momentum. But if he stopped paddling, literally, metaphorically, I'm carrying all the baggage as the front guy of the kayak. I'm carrying all the baggage behind me. You're carrying all the weight of what's behind you. Just like in life, right? The cliche, you know, carrying baggage. It's true. If we have for, for carrying a lot of weight behind us, it's almost impossible to move forward. So we have to first look at what do we want to push away from? How, how can we get that push momentum going first? Once you're, to you go back to the swimming metaphor or kayak, once you're in the water, and you get a good momentum going, you can maintain it. But initially, what it causes people to take that leap uh, towards the life they want, I believe, is more, more often getting really clear on what you want to get away from and then being willing to do something about it, seeing the benefit ahead of you greater than what you're giving up. Uh, that's an awesome analogy. And I, I completely, uh, you know, completely agree with that. I mean, I, I think one thing that always kind of struck me, even now, actually, when we're seeing you know, lots and lots of different platforms and mediums from sort of YouTube to, you know, to TikTok, where people can kind of carve niches and, and, and create kind of audiences. There still is like a serious lack of, of education and training around things like marketing and sales for people who are like looking to leave either their corporate job or looking to start their business. How important do you think it's sort of, you know, we've touched on, you know, personal and self-development, but how important are some of those skills um, which kind of link to personal development, like yeah. that ability to be a good public speaker or build a brand or, you know, build a, a newsletter following and so forth. And, and, and how do you sort of work with people uh, to, to sort of educate them around that? Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, this is one of the biggest experiences people uh, share with me when they either have left a corporate job or they're when they're starting their business is that the practices that existed in their corporate job kind of creep them out as self-employed business owners, where marketing feels super aggressive, you feel cheesy, uh, you know, people have such negative opinions of what it means to be a salesperson, right, to do to do sales. And again, part of the journey of being self-employed is suddenly all those things feel very personal to you. They may have been the practices uh, of your company, but suddenly they, 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 they feel very different to you. And, um, you know, we have to look at why. So one of the reasons why is that most business in the world is very transactional. Innately, when you are self-employed, your business is almost guaranteed to be based on relationships. 
So we're living in a world that is transactional based, but suddenly we're running businesses that are relationship based. So our behaviors need to change entirely our practices. I'll give you a very practical example. So how often do we see big businesses give deals to new customers only? Right. Because in a transactional business, that makes sense. This is customer acquisition offer, you know, AT&T, Verizon, all every cable company deals for new customers only. When you're self-employed and you're in a relationship business, I don't think there's anything dumber that you could do to insult your existing customers. Right. So, so much of what we see in the world, I actually did a uh, I did a, a social media post on this recently saying, you know, one of the most exhausting things about being self-employed is that we're constantly translating how the rest of the world does things into the way that works for us. I call it right sizing because we have to figure there's a lot to be gained in opposite by observing how bigger businesses work. But what's exhausting is constantly taking those possibly good ideas as well as the bad experiences we encounter from bigger businesses and and figure out how to reinterpret it in a way that it works for us. That is a level of freedom when I work with my clients on strategies that are. So, for example, one of the things I teach in the uh, a core part of the curriculum of the Self-Employed Business Institute is what I call hug marketing. Hug marketing is the answer to people feeling creeped out about uh, marketing funnels because by by intent and also just visually looking at a marketing funnel, it implies that you're kind and sweet and open hearted at the top with a conniving plan to squeeze people through a small hole at the bottom. Literally in marketing, we use terms like tripwires, right? I mean, think about the energy. And I would say that the moment if you refer to your audience as a target audience, they're going to feel targeted. Like, don't kid yourself that you're behind the scenes. You're referring to them as a target audience. Don't think that they don't feel targeted. And if people feel targeted, they back up. So I changed the whole concept of marketing to a system I call hug marketing, which instead of looking at acquisition as a funnel, look at it as a series of concentric circles. And the fact of the matter is today we have the outer circle of what I call lurkers. There are people, Alex, watching you on social media. They're watching what you're doing. They're observing. You don't know them by name. You don't even know they're there. You just trust that they do. That's the basis of social media marketing, putting yourself out to the people watching you, but you don't know them. So then what do you need to do by the means of content marketing, for example, putting content out in the world through your podcast, through articles you might write? What do you need to do to encourage people to take one step further in so they're feeling a little bit, they know a little bit more about you? Then what are you doing by the means of lead magnets or an, an action they can take to get closer to your world? All the way down, circle by circle, not just to the point of client acquisition, but the one step further, which is what loyalty programs have you developed? What relationship have you built such that they're not just clients, they're hug clients. They're the people that if you were to see them in person, you couldn't imagine not giving them a hug. They become the advocates for your business. They become your sources of referrals. They become your loyal customers. I think the world is craving to do business this way. The problem is that when you've been in a corporate atmosphere, if you've been in typical transactional business, you haven't been granted permission to do business this way. And the opportunity is there. This is why the training, training for the 
type of businesses we have as self-employed business owners just doesn't exist, which is why I started the Self-Employed Business Institute. I had I worked with a lot of people that had MBAs and said, my MBA isn't helping me in this circumstance. Like, this is different. It's a different experience. You need different strategies. You need the mindset. Um, so, yeah, that's why I founded it. And that because it, it was all just a huge lacking. I realized after 15 years of coaching business owners, they were all really good at what they do. They were all they had all developed their skill sets. They were never going to stop developing their skill set, but they had developed their skill set to a point that any growth after that was incremental. The problem was, is that everybody's out there trying to figure out how to make money at what they do. And there's just a lacking of education in in how to make money at a skill set, how to make money at your expertise. Um, and that's what I'm setting out to change. Well, it's absolutely amazing. And I think it's something that's just much needed. I'm, I'm just thinking back when I started my business, if something like that existed, I'd, I'd be the first person to sign up. I hear sure. that all the time. People are like, where were you 20 years ago? I hear that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I mean, it's, it's genuinely like an absolutely amazing thing that you're, you know, you, you've put together. Um, I, I'm very interested, you know, as we start to sort of, uh, you know, wind things up, um, I, I always sort of ask people on the podcast who they're human performance hero is or, or who the person that sort of inspired them on their journey is. So be super interested to learn who yours is. Yeah. Well, knowing this question was com- coming, I, I, I had to give, I have to give a really pure and honest answer and it's going to be out of the box. But my answer to that would be, no one's going to expect this, Barbara Streisand. <laughs> right. But here's why. Nice. <laughs> okay. I'm a huge, I've always been, I mean, I'm a fan of her talent, but here's the reason why I put her on a whole different level of human performance is because let's face it, she has a reputation for being super picky, you know, one would say, you know, bitchy. So a couple of things about that. One is the fact that, wow, what a double standard she has lived, you know, because a man's behavior in the same way would be looked upon as respectful. And yet as a woman, the very same behavior of being picky is called other things. All right. So. I have to give props to anybody that particularly anybody of any minority that has fought through those things. Um, and she's, you know, having had a career of what, some 70 years or so, very different times. What the love, the love of human performance that I have learned most from observing her is it's, it's, I don't, it's nothing short of, of incredibly, uh, impressive that you can be in a business as long as she has been and still hold the same standard because I know some, I mean, I'm very picky. I hold a very high standard for what I produce, but sometimes I talk myself out of it because I'm embarrassed by how picky I am because I'm afraid people are going to say negative things about being picky. What I've learned about her high level of performance is, is standards, right? She has an unbelievable, she has held to a high standard her whole life, regardless of the accusations of being, you know, any name calling that she's had to encounter. And that's a lesson I've had to learn repeatedly because sometimes I back down from my own high standards and being as picky as I would like to be um, because I don't want to upset other people. And I kind of come back to her as an example of somebody who's who's continued to be everybody's picky and then held a high standard and not caring as much what other people think, but holding holding to her standards. That's peak performance to me. As it was, 
Well, it's a great example, and it's uh, it's just an awesome and, and really well thought out reason. Uh, you know why why she's your human performance hero. So that's a that's a really great one, um, Jim. It's been been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today, and um, you know obviously you do lots of of amazing stuff and offer lots of value to um, the people who who are following you on social media and and uh, you know reading all your books and, and so forth. Um, if, if people are new to you. Where can they go to find out a little bit more? Sure. Um, well, for one, since we, we mentioned the Business Institute a fair amount, um, that can be found at selfemployedbusinessinstitute.com. Um, that's specific to that curriculum, um, as well as my main website is jeffreyshaw.com. And you can find your way to the Self-Employed Business Institute through jeffreyshaw.com as well. But that that's my main website, which has everything, podcasts, books, everything's there. Amazing. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking today. Um, I hope you have a great uh, remainder of your day and um, yeah, keep on doing all the stuff you're doing. Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, being on your show. 